0: There are myriad studies on longevity and happiness, and they all point back to that material possessions and fame and money and title aren't the drivers of happiness, but it's these relationships with other people that I think those are all built on this foundation of a supportive, meaningful conversation.
1: Welcome to Think Deeply, Speak Simply. Brought to you by Present, a show about the art and science of communicating ideas and how business professionals can unlock their careers and achieve their full potential with great communication. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Rook and Antoine Valentone.
2: Sometimes very important conversations are the most difficult ones to have. The capacity to show our partners and customers that we care about them in a way that makes them truly feel it, takes deliberation and introspection. When we are the ones who must deliver these messages, it can be a challenge as we try to find the right words to convey not only the information, but also somehow make the receiver feel cared for, valued, and understood. That's why it's so important to learn how to infuse compassion and care into our communications. For this episode, I am reminded of the Maya Angelou quotation. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel. Today, we are joined by Scott Rosania, a Senior Director of Patient Support Services. Scott explains how we can communicate with sincerity and compassion when speaking to our customers, especially when those conversations may carry an emotional charge. He also shares some of the best practices to employ in written communication where we don't have the luxury of tools such as facial expressions and tone of voice to convey our messaging. And with that, let's hear from our guest.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. Please make sure you hit that like and subscribe button so you get notified of future episodes as soon as they come out. But for this episode, let's dive right in. We're here today with Scott Rosania. Scott, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited to chat with you. Much appreciated. Excellent. Scott, you work at a high level in patient support services. Can you tell us what role patient support services typically serves in a corporate structure?
0: It's a a nebulous term, uh, but in the biopharmaceutical industry, the simplicity of it is that we help patients start and stay on their treatment. In the United States, it it probably won't surprise anybody to hear that our healthcare system is complex. It's beautiful, but it's nuanced. And the complexity creates three main barriers to accessing these life-improving and sometimes life-saving treatments. One of those is getting insurance companies to cover the medicine, that once they're covered, Copay can still be a financial barrier, so we offer financial programs to help bring down the cost. Uh, and then the third is more behavioral, right? Um, oftentimes, these are injections or infusions, which can be kind of a shock when patients are used to less invasive treatments. So, you know, the point is there's there's help out there, and that's the purpose of the work that we do.
4: That's tremendous uh, because I know there's there's folks that need help like that. So the fact that you guys are able to provide that is super important. When it comes to communicating with patients about something so sensitive as their health, how does that influence the content and tone of one's communication?
0: Yeah, the, these patients and their family members, whoever we're talking to, they're hurting, right? They can be scared and angry or frustrated. They could have been on the phone with their insurance company or their doctors or some, for hours and days and weeks, and it can feel like they're trying to grapple with their disease and how they're going to live their life that might or might not come back the way that it used to be. So, we, right, we talk to parents of children who were just diagnosed with cancer. We talk to children of parents that were diagnosed with uh, late stage disease that can cause blindness and other things. You know, patients who've been suffering through misdiagnoses for 30 years because doctors didn't quite know, they didn't quite add up all the symptoms and it's not for lack of trying. It's just, it's hard. Uh, we're all so unique. So it could be a blizzard of emotions. So our job is to help them clear those barriers so that and that, that influences the content, certainly, that we have to cover. But the tone and the approach, that you have complete control over, right? Um, so, you know, we have to take a beat for a moment to tap into our inner patient whenever you're on the phone. They're just, they aren't just a voice on the phone. We're all patients. We all have family members who are patients. So it's really helpful to think of that voice on the other end of the phone as a family member, because, of course, When you're the sender, you have your own stuff going on. You have your bills to pay, your relationships, your career trajectory, maybe a little bit of indigestion from lunch, and all of that affects your tone and delivery, but you have to check yourself on that. So simply, I'd say it's a two-point check. First, am I good to communicate with empathy? And second, I'm about to speak to a patient who's going through a lot right now, so stay humble. And by the way, this also translates to non patient communication, like when you're talking to your boss or a colleague, whether they're in finance or legal or marketing, or you're doing an interview to fill that role that you've been trying to find, do a quick check on your own mind state and then take a few seconds to remember what's important to that
3: receiver. That's awesome, Scott. And and as you talk about this intensity of the emotion that the patients are feeling in their families and those heavy ups and downs, what do you think are some of the best practices for communicating sincerity and compassion? So that it comes through that you truly care about the recipient.
0: So when I first started out, I was taking inbound calls for eight hours a day from these patients that were seeking help. I never labeled, it wasn't the call center. I I always said I was a researcher, right? I was hunting for insurance information for that financial support to try to clear these barriers. But you're taking 15, 20, sometimes 30 calls in a day. Some of them last, you know, 10 minutes. Some of them last an hour. I was fresh out of college. So naturally, I thought I was crushing it, right? No problems. A couple months in though, my manager asked if I'd ever heard any of my calls. No reason to, I thought, but uh, he played one for me, just picked at random. And I was mortified how I sounded on the phone. I was flat, I was insincere. Like I didn't even know there was a patient on the other end. So I went back to my desk and that was from then on, I picked up the next call with a plan. Every patient needs to know that I feel for them, that you can. there's this concept of see or smile through the phone. I wanted to make sure that I was changing the tone of my voice and my approach to it, just like my kids changed the radio station. Right. It was a simple but yet incredibly powerful milestone in my life. So the best practice is check yourself even when and and actually I would say especially when you think you're firing on all cylinders and no one has to prompt you. My manager did so for me, which was great. But check yourself, coach yourself. Because it's vital to to make sure that you're you're always firing on on, on all cylinders.
4: Yeah, I agree. You know, um, it, it is wonderful again that you had someone um, in your organization as well to give you that feedback for you to look inward and uh, sort of evaluate yourself. It, it's difficult to do. Granted, we should all be able to do it on our own without anybody asking us, but definitely. Um, I know I'm always reluctant to listen to myself uh, because I, uh, you know. It's
3: it's strange-worthy sometimes, right? I've I've recorded hundreds of podcasts, and it's so painful to hear my own voice at times.
0: Yeah. But it's so important. And and, and we're our own harshest critics. But we also learn from ourselves the best, so it's it's really it's really important to take inventory, record. You know, these obviously great; these are recorded. But you know, if you're given a team meeting or you know, at giving a presentation, ask somebody to record it, play it back for yourself. What you know, watch <laughs> it on your own, yeah. not in yeah. front of anybody else.
4: So changing gears, you know, we're talking about spoken communication but uh, how does that change when the communication is written uh, versus spoken and, and we lack the tools of tone facial expression eye contact etc
0: Yeah I, you know <laughs> written you get one chance to get your point across you know written is great for quick messages where because tone is non-existent um, and oftentimes when you write an email or you're sending some sort of letter to a patient or a memo to your boss, you know, your message come across very serious, like you have resting mean face whenever you're composing your email, like that recipient is reading it like, man, this guy was upset when he wrote this email. So you really have to be careful with the amount of detail you go into in a written message, which why for these types of communications, spoken and verbal or in person are always preferred, they can be challenging. But you're able, to your point, Anton, you're able to respond in real time. You get to play off of their reactions and their responses. And so for the written, you just got to remember that it's going to come across like, uh, you know, like you're angry.
1: Think Deeply, Speak Simply is brought to you by Present. Do you spend way too much time creating presentations at work? Does the thought of making a polished slide deck add stress to your day? If so, we've got an opportunity for you to reclaim your time, reduce your stress, and make your ideas shine. Present is the presentation productivity platform for enterprise teams. Now you can save 70% of your time building presentations with 35,000 plus slides in your company brand template. Create personalized presentations tailored to your audience and master structured storylines. Need a personal touch? Our professional services like overnight presentations are a click away. Present crushes 60% of the cost used on agencies and consultancy firms. It's why we're trusted by thousands of enterprise teams. Add zen to your presentations. Reclaim your time and let your ideas shine. To learn more, visit present.com. That's P-R-E-Z-E-N-T.com. And now back to the show.
3: I love what you're saying about only one chance at the Apple there in written communications and the challenge of nailing that tone when we don't have that opportunity to receive the feedback uh, from the person that we're chatting with. How about this? You know, I'm sure many times in your industry, we have to communicate something that might disappoint the receiver of that information. And so in those instances, what do you think about before you start writing so that you're not coming across uh, that way that you were just describing and come across as that full spectrum and, you know, wonderful person that you were trying to be?
0: If at all possible, you know, call or in-person or verbal, right? But if, you know, because that the disappointing information, and it can be harder too, right? You don't want to call somebody if you're going to tell them that, hey, guess what? I have no financial funding for you right now for you to get on your product. You don't want to be there for the way that they're going to react. But I will say it's such a richer conversation and it's so much more impactful when you can do it verbally or over the phone or somehow, you know, it takes longer. Again, it's uncomfortable. You know, I would imagine that my guess, one of the reasons why, you know, your listeners enjoy tuning into your podcast, right, is because they get that active dialogue. They could read a transcript, but, you know, <laughs> they like to see that that active dialogue. But to your specific question, if you have to deliver it in writing, simplicity is best, heartfelt, and offer a follow-up throughout, you know, whether you're writing to patients or to colleagues or your boss, you're bound to communicate something that's going to land really hard for that person, which you might be expecting and you might not. You might might be thinking that, hey, this is a non-event. And that person, again, when you go back to thinking about the communication as a two-way street, that receiver might not be in the best mindset. So, you know. They might just be thinking, you know, when you're saying you're not, you know, your employee is not getting a raise or your patient doesn't qualify for some sort of assistance, they can be devastating messages to receive. And the simple messages delivered with empathy are are vital here.
4: Indeed, uh, empathy is the key right there. I think whenever possible, whether it's vocal or uh, written, Uh, if we can communicate empathy, I definitely think it, uh, it makes a significant positive impact. Scott, just changing gears a bit, I couldn't help but notice when I was um, prepping for our our chat today that you have a master's in corporate and nonprofit communication. What was the most memorable thing you learned about communication during that experience?
0: Ironically, is is that having a master's in communication does not mean that I've mastered it, Um, (laughs) which I know is probably not where we wanted to go with this. But, you know, communication is always going to be dynamic, Right, The sender and the receiver will change. The context will change. The environment changes where we were th- four years ago versus now. And so there's always more to learn about yourself. There's tools to discover, courses to take. And don't get me wrong, very valuable. And yes, I learned a lot of science and approach and methodologies to communication. That's incredibly important. And it, and it shapes the way that I communicate now. But it's that mindset of continually wanting to communicate better. And that's what, you know, my professors were always on about, right? They demand that we challenge them and poke holes in their theories. And I was always thought that that was kind of odd that they were the experts. And of course they are, but they also knew that they could always improve. You know, cleanliness doesn't last forever. That's why we recommend regular showers, right? Same thing with communication. I recommend classes or a course or something, uh, an evaluation every year, just to make sure that there's, you know, that there's another tool that you can add to your, to your belt. You know, and, and even if others have told you that you're a good manager and a good communicator or a presenter, take a course on challenging conversations or going from peer to supervisor or you know getting your point across. And I guarantee that there'll be at least one thing that makes you think, yeah, I want to apply that a little bit more focus to that piece.
3: Love that. Thank you. Scott, what about today's theme do you want to discuss that we haven't talked about already?
0: Oh, this has been so informative for me, too. I think society places an incredible value on boiling complex topics down into bite-sized chunks, right? You know, you have your five tips to wealth and 10 books to read before you die, and we have to put everything in a list, which makes sense, right? I, I have to do that in my career, and I know you 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 know, you guys do as well. But I think something that we could explore more is this concept that you've introduced of the language of support and how it could lead to more effective communications and better relationships and actually be the milestone and the measuring stick that you leverage when you're evaluating your own success in your own career, because I think it helps you connect more deeply with people and whether they're patients, right, or your, or your boss or a coworker or even family members. More so than any salary, award or promotion, these relationships that, by the way, are built on sincere and supportive communication are the true milestones, I think, of contentment in at least personally in my life. You know, and there are myriad studies on longevity and happiness, and they all point back to that material possessions and fame and money and title aren't the drivers of happiness, but it's these relationships with other people, you know, and and your appreciation for what you do have that are the most prized possessions. And I think those are all built on this foundation of a supportive, meaningful conversation. Friday, for example, I actually just popped up. An entrepreneur was reaching out he found me through LinkedIn to ask a couple of questions related to my work. He's starting a new company in this space of trying to navigate insurance and disease management. And he did such a great job of forging a relationship with me. I think we covered off on the work questions he, he had, but we really had a great connection. And honestly, you know, he, he asked me about my personal connection to healthcare, how I got involved. He told me about his He asked what food I want to eat before I died. He, you know, focused on the connection. And, you know, I look forward to helping him and look forward to our next conversation because he did such a good job focusing on me and really building that relationship with me that I think that's one of those things that I'll look back on later and think that's a measuring stick. That was a great way for me to evaluate whether I've been successful in this industry or not.
4: Yeah, that is a nice story, and uh, it sounds like a really good experience on LinkedIn. So, Scott, this is one of the questions that we ask everybody, so curious to hear your take on it. Do you think that great business communication is more of an art form or a science, and why?
0: I mean, it has to be both, just like a lot of things, right? Of course, there's the scientifically proven ways to communicate effectively, concepts like know your audience, say things three to nine times so people can remember them, don't read your PowerPoint slides verbatim. Don't read your PowerPoint slides verbatim. Don't read your PowerPoint slides verbatim. Is that three times? Here we go. So there's those concepts, right? And that's the science, right? That's been proven and that works. But then the art is taking all that science and moving it around to fit your style, to fit your audience, and making it work for that specific content and that specific audience. Um, So you're constantly tweaking the science, and that's the art, just like just like a painting. Everybody's conversation. If you asked you know, my colleagues or people I went to school with, people I work with these same questions, I'm guaranteed you'd get a very different response.
3: Absolutely. As we start to wind this down, what advice would you have for aspiring business leaders that want to improve their communication?
0: I would say if you're an aspiring leader and you're asking yourself that question, you're already there. That's the first step that connotes the sense of curiosity and, by the way, humility, right? Recognizing that there's more that you can do and learn. And then I would say the next step would be, uh, you know, assess the effective communicators in your network, whether it's your manager or a peer, somebody, a professor, even somebody in your personal life. You know, pull out one or two nuggets that you can start using. My current boss is hilarious. And one of the things I've tried to adopt, because it works for him, is humor, injecting some humor into my presentations. I'm not as good at it, right? But it's something that I want to work on, you know, and so I'm trying to use that and incorporate that because it works really well. People respond, they kind of soften and, you know, and and can hear what he's saying a lot more effectively because he takes that, you know, humor and he injects it. So that's, that's one of the things, you know, that I'm working on right now.
4: Scott, uh, this has been wonderful. I really learned a lot and enjoyed the conversation. I want to give you the opportunity to tell our viewers where they can learn more about you. Tell us where they can find you on social media, the internet, etc. cetera.
0: <laughs> so this was a tough, this is probably the toughest question you've asked me huh? because I went through my entire corporate communications master's and, you know, without Facebook or any of the social media stuff. However, now that I do have two daughters, I am starting to learn. So they're starting to teach me Instagram. Uh, at Scott.Rosania. I'm on LinkedIn as well, which I know I mentioned before, and it's kind of old school, but it's still incredibly important and powerful tool for networking professionally. And it's how I engage with a lot of colleagues, future colleagues, as well as, um, you know, like I mentioned that entrepreneur who otherwise would have, we would have uh, had no way of, uh, of meeting.
3: Absolutely. Scott, I just want to say on behalf of myself, Antoine, and all of our listeners today, thank you so much for your time today. We very much enjoyed this
2: conversation, and thank you for your thoughtful responses to our questions.
0: I loved it as well. Thank you guys so much.
2: Thank you. Supportive communication is not just about telling someone what they need to know and what we want them to do. It's also about understanding the situation from their perspective and being able to give them what they need at that moment. Because these conversations often involve our emotions, there is no one formula for dealing with them that works for everyone. That's why Scott emphasizes that the first step in these difficult conversations is to tap into our inner patient voice. This advice is even more true with written communication, where we only have one chance to get our point across. When we speak about what's important to them, our customers are more likely to receive the information with an open mind. Scott also suggests letting our listeners see our smiles through the phone, so that by changing our tone and constantly embedding empathy into our communication style, we set up our conversations for successful outcomes and avoid simple pitfalls. In closing, as Scott points out, when we can hit these notes, we vastly improve the quality and longevity of our relationships, whether they be with patients, customers, stakeholders, or our family members.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Think Deeply, Speak Simply. To learn more about the art and science of communicating ideas, visit our free resources at present.com. That's P-R-E-Z-E-N-T dot com.